My name is Matt Brown. Oh, yeah. He gives the ball. No, he doesn't. He doesn't get the ball. The receiver goes all the way over there to the left. Once the quarterback has the ball, he fakes to the left. No. He fakes to the right. He doesn't fake. He, he thinks about fake. He pretends to fake. I don't know where I am. And let's start the show. Bobby, I've been dreading this day for a long time. But you got yourself a fine woman. Oh, thank you, Mama. Good luck, son. This is the best day of my life. Yeah! You just wait till tonight. What's gonna happen tonight? <laughs> You'll see. You can do it. You can do it all night long. Everybody, the world is a better place because you are here to join us. My name is Matt Brown, and I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. It is Thursday, October 7th, 2021, and we have quite the NFL show for you all today. But before we get into the fun, I just want to remind you to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. And to check out exclusive content on social media, don't forget to check out all the social media accounts, whether it's Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast, whether it's Twitter at ProdConvoPod, whether it's TikTok at Productive Conversations. So as you see, there's some things to change. I'm trying this mustache out simply because why not? You know, there's things to change. There's things to, uh, you know, rev up and, you know, make better. And, you know, why not try it? And if it fails, what I'm trying to get out of it, you know, it will grow back. I'm fortunate enough to grow a beard and grow facial hair rather quickly. So, yeah, this is solely an experiment with uh, some things going on in life. And uh, let's see if it works out. And if it doesn't, again, it'll grow back really quickly. If I fail socially, then, um, you know, what what are you going to do? Better days ahead one way or the other. So before we get into our football show with the great Alex Ranelio and Kevin Schaefer, Teddy had to work, so he was not able to make the recording. Let's talk about the other elephant in the room, my favorite baseball team, the New York Yankees on Tuesday night, get embarrassed by the Boston Red Sox losing 6-2 to two and ending their season. Even though the season was pretty uh, hard to experience. You know, we come back, fans are in the stands for the first time, and we slowly go from what? 70%, 80%, 90%, and now uh, fans are back in the stands as long as you have a vaccine card. And, you know, things were looking pretty promising. You know, we had our preview show with Alessandro and Alex, and we thought the Yankees would be winning the pennant. Ultimately, we thought the Padres would win the NL pennant and they didn't even make the playoffs, fire their manager. And the Yankees get in with the skin of their teeth in a thrilling final game last Sunday. And you only respond with a loss a 6-2 loss against your rivals, and the Red Sox have the last laugh once again. And, I mean, where do, where do I start? Where do I start? With the game itself, from our big ace pitcher not stepping up, two, two innings, 
three earned runs and a bunch of hits. And he just looked awful. He was not hitting strides. He was giving up home runs. And uh, we now have a grudge against Garrett Cole up until spring training. You have the Yankees bat at bats just, you know, they were making contact, but, you know, gravity was not on their side. And um, I mean, literally from the bomb stand hit with the very long single, which probably was a sign to come. And then you have just so many harder balls hit straight to Red Sox defense to the Red Sox defense. And it sucks. It sucks. It's sad. And what can I say? Seeing Judge get thrown out at home when a rally was coming. Thanks, Phil Nevin. It just cringes you. It bothers you. It upsets you. And then after that, the bullpen just kept allowing run after run after run. At least Stanton goes out with a bang, literally with that final home run. But it ends with Glaber Torres popping out to right. And uh, the Red Sox move on and the Yankees are, uh, you know, getting their tea times ready. And, you know, what what an emotional night, right? You know, I feel coming into that game, so many people are hyped and excited. And, and and on both sides, I was having, you know, friendly conversations with Red Sox fans and Yankee fans. Of course, there was banter, but nothing too maliciously. And then by the time the last out took place, what do you know? You, you see people uh, being real assholes about it. But what are you going to do with sports? I'd like to think I wouldn't take it as far as some asshole people did um, after the Yankees lost. Well, if the Yankees won, would I have gone ham on the Red Sox fan? Would I have just beaten them mercilessly and sending a shitty text? I'd like to think I wouldn't go that extreme. Uh, and, uh, you know, I got to remember that, especially putting myself on record saying that from now on, but I mean, damn, there are people, I mean, let me read some of these. I mean, <laughs> we fucking own you. Fuck you. Yankees suck. I mean, <laughs> nice words from people. Right. But it was an emotional October night. So I won't take that a heart, but, uh, I just got to remember to be genuine when it's my turn. And eventually the Yankees will turn it around at some point coming into this offseason. So many questions to answer. You know, I'm not going to go and say, you know, talk about the moral victories, the silver linings. We're going to talk about the fact of the matter is that after the stellar 2017 season with so many people thought a dynasty was on the horizons or at least a championship winning baseball team in the Yankees. It, it gets worse and worse. 2018, you lose to the Red Sox in an awful division series. 2019, you see the Astros probably cheat, but they beat the Yankees on that Altuve walk-off. 2020, again, same thing. Chapman gives up a go-ahead home run against the Rays. They win in the division series, and now in the wild card, we know what happens. So lots of aggravation, lots of headaches, and now something has to give. Something has to switch. Aaron Boone's contract ends literally, you know, after this season, whether they pick him up or not, we'll see. I'm not exactly on the road to fire Boone or get a new manager because I do think he has a good manager, even though with some questionable calls, especially with his bullpen, he seems to have those guys held together and people want to play for Aaron Boone. Brian Cashman, the same thing. He's one of the best GMs for a reason. It's not like he's sitting around and doing nothing. He's trying, but, you know, if you put bets out there, they're not always going to work. 
Sometimes they do. Most of the times it doesn't. And it seems to have not been working out since then. Now that we are 12 seasons since the 2009 World Series. <laughs> and, you know, when we start again in 2022, this is going to be the 13th season since that championship winning team. Literally a child is born and becomes a teenager and the Yankees still haven't won a World Series. Just heartbreaking playoff loss after heartbreaking playoff loss. And something's got to change once and for all. We need to shake up this lineup. You know, who knows what Hal Steiner's thinking. Most of the time we think they're going to do one thing and owners do something else. So all I hope for is that we get a shortstop. The Trevor Story is out there. Definitely not Carlos Correa, but he is an option too, but he's a cheater. So I take that back, but maybe look out for a Trevor Story. I think it's time to move past Gary Sanchez, you know, see what I know there is a Yankee prospect who's supposed to be really good at the catcher position who I'm blanking on, but, you know, maybe we'll see what else is out there for him. And Gary has a new place to uh, strive, hopefully. I would like to think maybe another uh, arm in the uh, starting rotation. Maybe that's unofficially filled with Luis Severino coming in. And yeah, no more Kluber. Let's see what else is out there. He's done. I don't think he's coming back. I think it's time to move past with Luke Voigt. The Yankees definitely need to go and keep Anthony Rizzo with that stellar gold glove first baseman on our squad, plus that beautiful lefty swing, I think a full year in pinstripes would benefit both parties. Stanton's going to be staying. He's definitely the season MVP, just turning it around. Aaron Judge, I think it's time to have him sign that long-term deal. Seriously, you have to keep Aaron Judge over anything. Even if this team lost 100 games, as long as Aaron Judge is in pinstripes, that's what's important. There's a reason why he has the loudest ovation when they call his name uh, during Yankee games. There's a reason why he's just so beloved and people compare him to Jeter and say he's the unofficial captain. Aaron Judge is a Yankee. He has to get re-signed. Make sure it happens this offseason because I think there's going to be a huge arbitration deal anyways. So it's important to make sure Aaron Judge is back playing right field for the Yankees. Dallas is going to stay. Aaron Hicks is coming back. Thank you, Brett Garner. I don't think we'll see you in pinstripes anymore, but it's been real. Maybe Glaber Torres. Maybe you could get something out of him if you want to make a trade. But um, I just think lack of hustle and and tough and making a lot of errors being a not-so-good infielder, maybe there's something else out there. And he can use the change of scenery as well. We'll see Gio coming back. And then uh, Garrett Cole, he let us down. I don't have to, you know, add to the conversation that everyone else has heard, has uh, reiterated, but Garrett Cole, he was awful. And I just hope he spends this next six months reflecting on what happens and he has a chip on his shoulder and that he becomes the $324 million pitcher he is supposed to be. So that's what I have to say with the Yankees. That's going to be it for baseball podcasts, you know, as much as I love baseball, I don't think there's a reason to, you know, cover the Rays and the Red Sox and the Dodgers and Giants. I just think we can use those podcast times for other uh, guests and focus more on the NFL season, the upcoming basketball season, and even some hockey coverage. We will definitely recap the MLB season uh, next month. Definitely bring in Alex for that. And, you know, 
let's see what happens with baseball. It must be another thing to have on the background. Just want the Rays to avenge us and uh, take out the Red Sox. And let's see. I, I hope the Rays win the World Series. That uh, that would be a nice story. You know, it's it's very interesting how they just keep winning, and even with lack of resources, they um somehow make a deep run in these playoffs these past couple of years. Why not do it again? And I definitely don't want the uh, <laughs> the Astros to win. So let's see the Rays get there. How about the Giants? Keep that magical season going. We see a Rays and Giants World Series. What an appeal nationally, right? But it's going to be fun either way. The Yankee season was definitely a roller coaster. There's times I genuinely hated this team. There's times I love this team. At the end of the day, I'm a diehard Yankee fan no matter what. I'll never turn my back on this team. And we're just hoping for a better future. And that's it. So we have a while until we uh, have something to look forward to when it comes to Yankees baseball. But eventually, when that spring day comes in early April or I guess late March, and we actually see the pinstripes uh, on the field again, hopefully life is better. Hopefully the end of the pandemic will take place then and uh, we have something to look forward to next summer. So that's what I got with the Yankees. And uh, until next time, so we'll we'll uh, talk about them again in a few weeks as we wrap up the baseball season. But until then, let's just focus on other things like football. And that's the show we have today. Big NFL show taking place. We bring back, as I said, Kevin Schaefer and Alex Ronelio. Teddy Moran's had a work obligation, so he wasn't able to make it. But it's been a full month Four weeks have taken place in the NFL season. We surely have had quite the, the um, entertainment at our footsteps when it comes to watching NFL football. There are teams that are shocking and are doing really well. There are teams that are huge disappointments already a month in. And there are players who are making some noise. And then there are some players who uh, you have a big question mark right next to them. So, so. Let's just get into it. Enough with the baseball. Let's talk about another sport. Let's have big smiles on our faces. It's now time for the next NFL show, the Productive Conversations podcast, Talking NFL with Kevin Schaefer and Alex Rinellio. So let's get to it right away. Alex and Kevin, it's your turn once again. Let's get to it. Here's a football chat. This is a very productive conversation. of the NFL season. We have lots of big shots, lots of disappointments, but all in all, good, hard-nosed, fun NFL football, especially the first with uh, fa- the first season with fans back in the stands. It's a beautiful sight. So, bring in our crew as per usual, but first, our buddy Teddy Morantz had to work today, so he will join us at the end of the month for our NFL shows, but... We have two of the best anyways around. First, we have the great Kevin Schaefer, a.k.a. Big Kev, a.k.a. Kevin. We'll drink it on TikTok. What's up, Kevin? What's going on? How you doing, Matt? 
I'm gr- so happy to see you. And, uh, you know, this is uh, going to be a great time. I remember uh, just for let our audience know, how was your trip to Egypt? You mentioned that um, on our first one in a few words or less. Uh, Egypt was an amazing experiment uh, experience. I mean, seeing the pyramids up close, getting to see Tut's tomb, just absolutely breathtaking. It was a wonderful time. Oh, man. And rest in peace, King Tut. And uh, his legacy lives on. And of course, we have the great Alex Ranelio once again. What's up with the new hairs, keeping the stash going and uh, being himself? What's up, Alex? What's going on, boys? Happy to be here. Looking forward to wrapping up week four and uh, let's get it going. Let's get it going, <laughs> just as Alex said. So week four of the NFL, it's been, uh, you know, ups and downs for sure. And, you know. There's just so much to to go over, really. I mean, where do we start? Why don't we start with first? Let's talk rookie quarterbacks first. So (laughs) this was a intimidating rookie um, class coming into it. People were very excited with the draft. People think, um, you know, there's some great NFL stars here. With the exception of Trevor Lawrence, who's turned it around, even though still being winless, I think it's fair to say that – you know, in the first four weeks, there's nothing that exciting or exhilarating. Let's just say we don't know who our rook, offense rookie of the year is yet. But, you know, of course, only one quarter of the season has taken place and there's still a lot of football left to go. But, you know, whether it's Mac Jones, you know, Trey Lance has barely gotten in playing time, Justin Fields here and there. And of course, we have Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence, who have been uh, starting. But I want to start with Kevin because I know he's keen to one of the rookie quarterbacks. <laughs> what do you think about um, the rookie quarterback so far, especially your guy, Zach Wilson? Uh, I'm going to start off by saying we were really pampered and uh, spoiled to have quarterbacks in the last couple of years like Kyler Murray, mm-hmm. uh, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert. I mean, even Tua, who who played well right out of the gate in that rookie year, came out and and kind of played like they were NFL veterans already. And uh, we were in for a rude awakening here because we've been used to that recently. And some of these guys are all of these guys are not not playing the way those guys did. You know, they're mm-hmm. they're going through those growing pains that most rookie quarterbacks do, and that we haven't been accustomed to the last few years because we've been spoiled. I mean, uh, Lawrence and and uh, Wilson lead the league in interceptions, respectively, <laughs> Wilson and Lawrence. Uh, and uh, none of them really, really look that great. So, uh, I mean, Wilson, I mean, they've all shown flashes. I mean, yep. you see why in this this Jets win here this week, you see why Wilson was number two overall pick, you know, sending Corey Davis down the field and just effortlessly flicking a 50-yard bomb. <laughs> you know, uh, Trevor Lawrence, you know, tearing apart defenses when he's not throwing interceptions. So, you know, all in all, they, they look like rookie quarterbacks. So I'm, I'm not as shocked as, as some other people are. Yeah. I think you make a fair point. We were spoiled with some players who were definitely going above average. I mean, Kyler Murray looks like he's an MVP candidate already. And Pat <laughs> Mahomes off the bat does well. And, you know, the list goes on and on, but I think you, you know, maybe it was just an era with all great rookie quarterbacks and it's now just turning around. But it doesn't mean that, uh, you know, these guys don't have a future, of course. Alex, what do you think of the rookie quarterback situation? Yeah, it's kind of the same 
uh, along the same lines as Kevin, you know, it, we expect these guys to have their, um, their issues early on. And, you know, it takes about four to five weeks to really divvy up and make and understand who the, the, the real teams and who the, the fake teams are um, going into the season. But I think that, um, you know, this is kind of par for the course for what I expected from all the quarterbacks. Um, I think that the jury's still out um, on all, um, I'm really praying and hoping that uh, Trey Lance and Justin Fields get their due diligence with the uh, with the coaching situation, mm-hmm. and I hope that they do right by them uh, moving forward because they have tremendous upside with the injuries with Garoppolo and Dalton um, for the rest of the season. Yeah, it seemed at first that these guys were on the fence. You know, obviously with the players' injuries, it's easier to make that decision. But you know, now. Uh, you know, it's just put up or shut up time, especially, you know, people like to think starting at these certain weeks that you might start seeing a veteran. If there is a prominent rookie, he's he's going to get in the uh, position to play. But, um, you know, like I said, there's still lots of football left. That extra week does matter. And it's uh, we just it, it's clear to say that the jury's still out there. But, you know, it's just just a change of seasons, literally. So. Yeah, I think I think the biggest thing real quick um, is I don't think it's the jury's out that they can't play because obviously they have to be talented enough to play at this level. Mm-hmm. But I think that um, the situation that they're going to be in, um, the jury's still out on whether or not that's going to work for them moving forward to be successful. I think, in my humble opinion, that Mac Jones will have the best first year of the quarterbacks. But I think moving forward, it'll be um, difficult to say who has the most upside potential to win at a success at a successful high clip. I mean, we didn't see Lamar Jackson coming the way um, everybody else did um, in that draft as well. We all thought that Baker and, and Darnold and Rosen would be the cream of the crop. And look oh, Josh Rosen. Yeah, look how it transpired. So we'll see. <laughs> well, like you know, you said. Uh, oh, uh, Yo, you can on that. Uh, I do want to, I do want to put something out when it came to this rookie class, when, uh, when the Jets, when it looked like the Jets were going to be the first, uh, have the first overall pick this year, a <laughs> lot of, lot of analysts were saying that uh, Trevor Lawrence should go back to go back to school. And uh, Jets just picked up their first win, and it uh, looks like Jacksonville is going to fire their brand new shiny college coach four weeks into the season. <laughs> so uh, I don't know, I don't know where they got their information, but one franchise looks like a disaster, and the other one looks like it's starting to improve. So I had to throw that out there. <laughs> Actually, Love you it. you perfectly uh, are transitioning to the next point I was thinking was the whole Urban Meyer Jacksonville Jaguar situation. So for those <laughs> who don't know, after a very competitive but tough loss against the Bengals on Thursday night, Urban Meyer, I guess, was still in the area. Obviously, the Ohio um, ties. He's the obviously led Ohio State to a national championship. He's a pretty big deal. But um. Correct me if I'm wrong, too. I guess that he was just out on the town with his friends and, you know, people have phones and there was somebody who was seeing an older gentleman and maybe she knew what was going on and try to get him to dance. And um, I know there's two videos out there. I only saw the initial one and, uh, you know, some awkward lap dancing with his wife allegedly, (laughs) allegedly liking it, saying, hey, I'm with the kids. And now you see, you know, awkward press releases. Urban Meyer has apologized already for it. 
and, you know, which is just very, very awkward. And with the rumors of him wanting the open USC job and just go back to college anyways, it uh, is turned quite into a mess. And I want to know what you guys think. Kevin, you um, you said that uh, you believe that Urban is on his way out, going to get fired. We know Teddy said in our last podcast that he doesn't think he'll last the season. Alex, what do you think with Urban before we go more? What, where do you think he's uh, going? Well, I mean, as long as, you know, he doesn't do anything to worsen the situation, I think he'll finish out the season. I think um, Shaq Khan, the, the owner um, of the Jaguars, I think he has to do right by the situation itself mm-hmm. um, and not really stagnate the rest of the season for the sake of Trevor Lawrence's development. Um, I think the jury is still out on whether or not this will work. I mean, we knew going into the season they weren't going to win more than a handful of games. Um, but as long as he can keep – you know, as long as he can keep improving incrementally season, I mean, week by week with throughout the season, I think he'll, I think he'll stay, but um, this hot water that's emerging is just not looking good. Um, it, it, it kind of, you know, it kind of just goes to show you that you can kind of get away with a lot more stuff when you're out of the spotlight in college um, in the pros. Right. It's a totally different deal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So having said all that, and Kevin, I'd love to hear you elaborate on this too. But yeah. do you think it is, it, if you were Chakan, um, excuse me if I mispronounced that, but um, if you're the owner of the Jaguars, do you just, even though it's only week four, just put us out of the misery, put another uh, competent coach? I don't know the coaching staff that well in Jacksonville who can help the development for Trevor Lawrence. If everyone, anyone wants to you know, add on to that. Do you think it's just one of those things? that's like a bad date. Listen, you don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. <laughs> Let's just move on and see other people. Is, is that what's going to happen? Uh, I really, I really think it is. I mean, I'm going to sound a little biased here, but if I'm Shaq Khan, I hired Rob Sala in the off season and not urban Meyer anyway. <laughs> but uh, uh, I, I think they're going to end up with the split. I mean, something that really, uh, I think it was uh, after after their loss to the Broncos, uh, Urban Meyer and Vic Fangio are old friends, and he he went up to Coach Fangio and said, "Wow, it's like we play Alabama every week," and uh, <laughs> that kind of that kind of shows that he's he's in over his head here. He, yeah, uh, and you know, uh, everyone says you know he's this great quarterback whisperer who's going to help Lawrence and everything like that. Name one Ohio State quarterback that he coached that panned out in the NFL. Pretty much. You can't because it, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. Ohio State quarterbacks never played well in the well in the NFL because he didn't run an NFL scheme. He runs mm-hmm. a college scheme, and it's it's not working in the NFL. Clearly, it's not working. He didn't know how to use his shiny uh, second year running back. He doesn't understand, you know, NFL defenses. He's he's play, like you said. He's playing Alabama every week. He's playing a room full of professionals, and he's used to playing amateur college kids where. There's a lot more mistakes, and I don't think I don't think he'll last any longer. And I think it's worse to keep him around for Lawrence than it is to just cut it off now. And heck, even instead of promoting someone to interim from inside the organization, find a new head coach from outside and yeah, but, reevaluate at the end of the season. 
Yeah, the only issue is that's easier said than done because if you're just going to uproot the entire thing, I think I agree with you. I think you need to know as soon as possible if it's going to work with um, Trevor Lawrence's development. I just don't think you can give it any less than a year, barring he does another stupid act like he did. Mm-hmm. I can see that, but I, I also I don't think he even wants to be there anymore. I think it's it's more of a mutual split at this point. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. I understand what you're what you're saying in terms of they're not um, really picking up like well because like in the college game you can run all these you know you know these spread offenses and zone read um, reads and whatnot and play action because you're playing lesser athletes across the uh, across yeah. the conference. Now it's like everybody has you know equal level equal value um, athletes across the board. That's why it is like playing Bama. Um, yeah, they're just gonna have to get creative through throughout the season offensively if they want to compete. Yeah, yes. I agree. And they're going to play Tennessee this week after Tennessee <laughs> did not want to lose to the Jets. So they definitely <laughs> are going to come out swigging and they'll see if they can make Urban Meyer's life even worse with a week five loss. So let's get also in the big picture, talking about the NFL in general. So I wanted to talk about the biggest shock, and this is a biggest positive shock. And then after this, the next point will be the biggest disappointment. But Four weeks in, you know, we have some teams uh, who are still undefeated that may you may not have expected them to be three and oh, you may have had some teams playing much better than than expected. You know, for me, I have to say, Alex, even though they lost last week, the Raiders really, wow. really played well, especially Derek Carr, <laughs> what that offensive player of the month. And, you know, yep. tough loss last week with uh, thunderstorms and such. I do think they are, at least as long as they're playing the way they've been playing, they'll be intimidating force in the AFC West. That's my opinion for biggest shock. Alex, why don't we give it to you? Do you feel your team is in that category or someone else? Um, I'm not 100% sold yet. And mm-hmm. I'm going to have my bets here a little bit because I said at the beginning of the podcast uh, a few weeks back, they start out hot every year. They go six and three or seven and two <laughs> beat heavy hitters when they're down early in the season, they're trying to find themselves and get the chemistry, right? Um, so I'm not yet sold, but the one encouraging factor that's distinguishing themselves from years past is that they finally have a pass rush. They've had a pass rush for the first time since 2016 when Carr went on the magical MVP candidate run. Um, and it just goes to show you how competent and solid he can be, um, as a quarter, as a starting quarterback and a franchise quarterback, when you surround him with a competent defense, um, so you know the, the long short answer. I, the jury's still out for me. Um, like I said, in that pecking order of the division, because it's a competitive division, I had them third, right around seven and nine or uh-huh. um, nine, whatever. What? Uh, yeah, seventeen games. So we'll see. Um, but I've been pleasantly surprised. I did a lot of things I like that I did not expect from the defense. And I never thought we we would be winning games without a running game for that, for that matter. Ooh. Okay. Okay. Solid, solid thoughts with that. And is there any other team that's really shocked you were the better men? Uh, should I say positively shock you? <laughs> well, I don't know if I'm shocked, but I mean, Kevin and I both called it. I mean, Cardinals, man, they're, they're the real deal. Or uh, no. Yeah, I don't think anybody expected, you know, how how good um, and and talented they um, they really would be, and how big of a jump um, Kyler would take um, this year. 
But um, he's looking like an MVP candidate. I think yep. that beating the Rams was a good measurement of where they are um, in the NFC right now. But um, it's a long season. We've got a ways to go. They've definitely been a pleasant surprise. But um, got to say, I kind of called it. <laughs> <laughs> Want to elaborate more on that, Kevin, with the Cardinals specifically? Oh, well, specifically with the Cardinals, I uh, as much as that offense is playing great, Kyler Murray – MVP candidate, uh, mm-hmm. it's the defense. It is 100% the defense. J.J. Watt. I mean, that defense held, in my opinion, probably the most explosive offense in the NFL right now. You know, something I, I would liken to the, you know, the greatest show on turf, reincarnate <laughs> in in uh, in the Rams there, doing mm-hmm. it again. I mean, just next, Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford, and they held them to, what was I think, 16 points. Yep. Yeah. 13 points. It just, it, it's the defense. I mean, as much as that offense is wonderful down there in Arizona, that defense is, is going under the radar right now, but they're the reason that they're four and oh. Sorry. No, I was just going to pitch in by saying Buda Baker picked up right where he left off last year. Oh yeah. I, mm-hmm. I uh, DPOY candidate at, at the moment. I mean, <laughs> just yep. wonderful. Dude, yeah, and Kevin, who else were pleasant surprises for you? Uh, you know what? And I, uh, Teddy, and I both have to apologize to Alex here. I mean, the Raiders. <laughs> uh, the, the Raiders are are probably my biggest shock here, but um, not only the Raiders, it's Derek Carr, and I think uh, the real explanation for Derek Carr playing the way he is is uh, he was kind of disgruntled in the offseason. I mean, John Gruden. Was, <laughs> talking about just about every quarterback under the sun, you know, there were rumors of Watson and things like that. And uh, Derek Carr being traded and Derek Carr, the man with the black mascara came out and decided uh, he was going <laughs> to prove himself this year. So he, uh, he's playing phenomenal, you know, uh, Raiders are playing well. The only, my only issue, and it was exposed last week uh, against San Diego. If you get a good pass rush on Derek Carr, he panics and he can't, he, he doesn't play the way he's been playing. So we got to see if that offensive line, cause they do have a tough slate of, of defensive lines and front sevens coming up in their next couple of games. So yeah, got to watch that. And they, you think about it. They, they play uh, Denver with Von Miller. Um, I, I'm not sure if Bradley Chubb will be back by then, but you know, phenomenal defensive line there. They have to play San Diego again. Yeah. Uh, you got I mean, the even Chris Jones, I mean, the Chiefs defense isn't playing that well, but Chris Jones is no slouch there. And if mm-hmm. they can, if those teams can get pressure on Derek Carr, it's going to be a tough road inside the division for them. But uh, I like what I see from them. And then my second biggest shock, not so much of a shock. I, I kind of had them rated higher than both Alex and Teddy, but the Carolina Panthers, man. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Sam Darnold as, as a Jets fan. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm I'm happy to see Sam succeed, but at the same time, you know, where was that last year, two years ago? Uh, Carolina Panthers are going to be a tough team to beat, especially when Christian McCaffrey comes back. So, I think I think the league should be put on notice there, especially in a an NFC South division where you have teams. I mean, even Tampa, Tampa almost lost to New England. You have teams that aren't playing up to snuff. The Saints aren't playing as well as you know I thought they would, and mm. Tampa's kind of slowing down a little bit here. So I think, I think the Panthers are definitely a team to watch. Absolutely. Secondary for Tampa has definitely been exposed. They're really thin right now. They had to go get Richard Sherman 
and for anything and you know <laughs> didn't make exactly big moves <laughs> i was i was definitely pleasantly surprised just to piggyback on what kev said on mm-hmm. um, on the panthers i mean we look at the we look at the history with matt rule the second year he jumps to you know from an abysmal first year to about a 500 team i kind of had them around you know hovering around 500 and i kind of expect them to kind of even out around there but you have to admit that there's a lot of great things you're seeing both on the offense and defensive side the only reason i have a moment to pause is because who they beat the first four weeks do you feel that Sam Donald's success was truly an example of just incompetent coaching in the Adam Gase era and then a little bit of Todd Bowles? Then he goes to Matt Rule and look what he's doing. Do you think he was just cursed for being a Jet? No offense, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I don't think it's, it's Matt Rule, to be completely honest. I love Matt Rule as a head coach. It's Joe Brady. Uh, yeah. Joe, Joe Brady is, is something else. He is, you know, um, him and, a, and another, there's another guy, not a lot of people talk about Kevin Stefanski with Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Those two are, you know, as everyone wants to say, Kingsbury McVay, my opinion, those two are the brightest offensive minds in you know, in the NFL right now. I mean, the way they're, they're running their offenses and, you know, really making sure they play to their quarterback strengths and their team strength is, is out of this world. And I think like, I always, I love Sam Darnold. I thought he was going to be a great quarterback. He's shown those flashes and Adam Gase kills anything he touches. I'm pretty sure he's coaching a, his hometown high school team. Mm. So he can stay uh, there. yeah, he can definitely stay there. Um, well, maybe, maybe the Jaguars will hire him when they fire urban Meyer. Oh my, but, uh, <laughs> uh, ruined T-Law's career like they did Darnold's. But no, I um I truly think Darnold got out of a bad situation and it, it shows, you know, there's like Drew Brees. Drew Brees didn't pr- play very well, you know, in San Francisco. Got out of there, got a change of scenery with a, a different coach and a great coach in Sean Payton. And he's a Hall of Famer and arguably one of the greatest to ever do it. So I, I think Sam Darnold might have a not exactly the same career trajectory, but something similar where he has a real resurgence here. Excellent moves, excellent points. And then um, the only last thing I would say in terms of shocking teams, well, well, excuse me, Broncos are three and one, but you know, they had quite an easy first three games going against the Jets, Giants, and then the Panthers, and then they play a more competitive team and they lost. Then the other you know, eye-opening one is you have the, excuse me again, you have the, ah, sorry, why am I blinking? You have the Cincinnati (laughs) Bengals with Joe Burrow. That could be, you know, another team to watch out for. And after him recovering from his injuries, played pretty well himself. Do you think there's any correlation to these two teams playing, having hot starts? Uh. Well, I think I think the I actually will we'll get into that a little bit later with my uh, feelings on the Broncos. But when it comes to the <clears> Bengals, <throat> I I don't think the play's sustainable. Um, I think they're a lot like the Broncos have not played the best teams, um, mm-hmm. and uh, I think I think we're going to see once they play better defensive lines, specifically Cincinnati, because they didn't touch that offensive line enough. Joe Burrow is going to see some problems. You know, Joe Mixon now injured again with his, his injury, you know, issues that he's had for years now. 
So I, I, I don't believe in the Bengals and, and the Broncos hype a hundred percent. Yeah. I think they're going to level out around 500, uh, both teams. That's kind of where I projected them at the beginning of the, of the season. Um, I think that there's a lot of great things to build on for, um, for, for Burrow. And I like where they're, where they're headed, not completely sold on Zach Taylor yet. Uh, we'll see. Um, the Broncos, I mean, that's kind of an anomaly. I mean, you guys hinted at it, um, easy schedule through with, you know, the first three weeks and then they got brought back down to earth with the Ravens. Um, and now you're going to be starting Drew Locke until, you know, there's more word on Teddy Bridgewater and he's just a pick machine, you know, an interception machine. So I think they have the foundation to um, be, you know, a strong roster for years to come, but until they get the quarterback situation, right. Um, you know, I, I don't see any change in the future. I think more of the first month of success has to do with pressure on Vic Fangio to win early than anything else. Uh, piggybacking off what you said about, I'm, I'm not a big Zach Taylor fan either. And uh, just talked about a guy who I, in, in my opinion, this, I think it's a sure thing will be the, uh, the coach in Cincinnati next year will be uh, Joe Brady. So I, I, I think that's a match made in heaven. I mean, Joe Brady, this year is proving that he can he can win as an offense coordinator at the NFL level. Zach Taylor, like you said, I think they'll even out at you know five hundred, and Zach Taylor will be gone after missing the playoffs again, and that's a match made in heaven for next year. But that's uh, that's for a later later podcast to discuss. And we'll see. I mean, let's keep an eye on. I mean, I know the USC job is out there. Um, not to divert too much, but talking coaches. Um, let's keep an eye on Mario Cristobal up in uh, Oregon too, because if they take the Pac-12, you know he's going to be getting some NFL calls. Absolutely. We've seen him develop some good players into this league, so uh, I th- you would get my vote for that as well. So. Time to talk about the disappointing teams. We'll uh, toss it to Kevin first because he started hitting on it. First four weeks, there have some teams that have really shit the bed, and um, it's time to point it out. Kevin, you were getting into oh my, some of these teams. Let it my, out. My biggest disappointment, and uh, it's a, and it's weird to call it two and two started disappointment. <laughs> yeah, and actually, right. both both of my my disappointing teams here have two and two starts. But the Kansas City Chiefs, I mean, yeah, I love it. <laughs> I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs are are last in their division right now. <laughs> um, a division that, you know, coming into it, I thought they would win pretty easily. And I figured they'd already be, you know, top of that division and separated themselves by this point. So the fact that they're a, a game behind every other team and uh and all the other teams realistically look better than them and uh, all have offenses. The The Chiefs' problem is their defense. Their defense is not playing well at all. And all three teams in that division have recently had offenses that are humming, you know, functioning on, on all levels. And if the Chiefs can't get that defense together, this division might run through them. I mean, clearly. You, it seems there's miscommunications, you know, Kelsey and Hill have all had down years. Mahomes still trying to hold his own, still doing Mahomes things. I mean, we could talk about that underhand pass he had last week, but there's some messes, especially just, on. <laughs> I don't even know how he does half the stuff he does. I don't, it, it's not even, according to physics, I don't even think it's possible. So I, 
He is something else. Some people just got it, but not only this, especially the defense have had some bad holes getting exposed. I think, like you said, it's fair to say that a 500 team being very disappointed in the Chiefs, they have some <laughs> major things to uh, change. And maybe when they play Buffalo this week, which we circled on the calendar oh. on Sunday night, this is going to be possibly an AFC championship preview already. But now it doesn't look like the case. So uh, Chiefs just signed Josh Gordon. Yes, yeah. they did. He actually he's uh, scheduled to he should make his first start this Sunday. But listen, uh, against that that Buffalo defense just uh, <laughs> shut out a very very good team, very good offense, and they put up forty points on a very good defense. Mm-hmm. I uh, I could see a, a real big Buffalo blowout here and a real wake up call to the Chiefs. Yep. Womp womp moment. Alex, who are some teams that disappointed you? <laughs> I mean, it kind of depends on how we redefine, you know, disappointment. I mean, <laughs> you know, because, I mean, injuries are part of the game. We understand that. Um, I had Washington a lot higher than a lot of people did expectation-wise. Yeah. And I know that Fitzpatrick going out week one, uh, even I didn't see that coming. Um, I think – I'm not completely jumping off the ship because I think throughout the year, I think Heineke is going to get better um, every snap he plays. So I think that they can win close games with good coaching and a run game and defense. Um, but there's definitely concerns that they'll get to 10 wins even. Um, I still think they'll be there at the end of the year to compete with Dallas for the division. Um, definitely been a little disappointed with, Indianapolis. I mean, I kind of saw it coming mm-hmm. I didn't yeah. with the injury issues, um, kind of like what, we're, uh, what I was just talking about. But um, so I still have Tennessee kind of right there taking the division. I think that Indy, um, it's going to be interesting to see what they kind of expose and divulge to the public for hard knocks. Um, not huge on, not super thrilled that they're doing that, but it'll definitely be interesting to see the insight in, um, you know, Jim Ursay's organization there. Um, and then, you know, the Chicago, I mean, the, the jury is still out. I'm not giving up on Chicago, but Matt Nagy's in some hot water. And I know they keep clamoring for his job and they need to, you know, they need to clarify what the pecking order is with the QBs. I don't know what he's holding on to with Andy Dalton, but um, if they don't, if they don't switch up schematically how they're going to operate that offense um, for Justin Fields, I think that it could go real south real quick. Yeah, I uh, when it comes to Chicago, there, if you're going to run the same offense you ran with Dalton, why even start Fields? Let Nick Foles play. I mean, Nick Foles yeah. is a better fit in that offensive scheme. Yep. And you're just, you know, right now, and, and I think it's it's kind of naggy, you know, playing his young quarterback in the wrong scheme, so he doesn't look so good. So it looks like he made the right decision to to try and sit him there. And I think I think that's part of it. A little bit of pride there. Um, team I wanted to touch on was the Saints. I know I, mm-hmm. I had them a lot higher than everyone else. <laughs> everyone else did, but I, I still I haven't given up on them yet. I haven't jumped ship yet. But and another, they're five into you know a five hundred team, two and two. Uh, I saw a better start for them here. Um, and as good as Jameis has looked, the defense has not not looked the way that it should. So uh, it's yeah. a team that's been really disappointing. And I, but I, I, I I'm not jumping ship yet on them. They're gonna okay. have a couple tough upcoming games. They got Washington and Seattle. Yeah, Tampa. One team I want to talk about who's been disappointing. Now it's this is weird because they did win last week, but we could talk about the New York Giants. 
is. Now, listen, I understand that they've had mixed <laughs> feelings coming into this, and I know my Giants bias, but from very, very, and we this is really accounting for the first three weeks, and, you know, things could have totally changed against New Orleans on Sunday. You know, certain things happened and uh, more things could have led to, you know, some huge messes. But from very questionable calls from Joe Judge, whether it's not challenging correctly or, you know, some weird schemes that his personnel like Jason Garrett have made. Things were looking very ugly. And I mean, I was in the building for the season opener and it was just killer. But on the contrary, you do have Daniel Jones. He's only had two turnovers now in four games, which is way better than that's what anyone would take. The first three weeks, Saquon didn't look um, good either. Well, we'll go with the first two weeks specifically. But, you know, I just feel that the Giants should be, especially with somehow things turned out, like we go back to the Washington game, a Dory Jackson dropping that interception that would have sealed the game and then letting Heineke just run down the field against this defense. And this defense really wants to give you a heart attack if you're on the Giants, especially the secondary. Um, who wants to help support my cause with the Giants being disappointed? Maybe not the most disappointing, but you thought at least with how things unfolded, they could at least have a two and two game and uh, a two and two record. But um, <laughs> hit me. Nope. What do you guys think? No, I, you still think you, no, you could be not. honest if you feel um, if you feel I, this was accurate, but uh, elaborate. I, I think I had them coming to the season at five wins. I think yep. five, and I'm pretty sure, pretty sure I called that charity. Um, you know, I will say Daniel Jones has exceeded my expectations. They may may not be looking for a quarterback come April, but uh, they will be looking for a new <laughs> coach, uh, a new general manager. Yeah, uh, it is. That team is not very pretty. And you know what? I I think it comes down to, and I've I've been saying this a lot: the way Joe Judge runs his team. Yeah. These are not college kids. These are not high school kids. Uh, making them run because you don't like what they said or did is not going to change their opinion. It is not going to change their attitude. And it it's not the right way to, to you know, coach other adults. And, you know, I, yeah, right. when, I mean, you, you look around the league at coaches that have taken that, uh, that kind of approach. And I, I can only think of, you know, one who was really who did had any success and he only had success for two years before he got booted. And that's, that's Rex Ryan. I mean, mm-hmm. he's the only real hard ass coach that I, I can see. And I, I won't say ever. I say like in maybe the last 20 years, that's really <laughs> had that approach and, and been successful with it, but they're grown men. I, you know, it, it, at 24, 25, you don't want to get yelled at and told to run laps. You want to be spoken to like a man and explained, you know, what's going on, what you need to fix. And I, I don't think his style of coaching will uh, fit in the NFL scheme anymore. Well, just to piggyback off that, I think not only can not the kids nowadays not handle, you know, um, you know, a tougher style of coaching, um, you know, Tuesday through Saturday, but also the fact that um, if you're not an accomplished coach, they're not going to really retain and listen to things. I think that a guy like Gruden, who's who's been in hot water, who has to prove something this year, has had far longer a leash than a coach like Joe Judge, who doesn't necessarily have the cachet of 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 winning um, necessarily at his at his um, 
at his expense. So you look at guys that, you know, you know, adopt that, that style. I mean, even Bill Parcells, like, you know, he was a, he was an accomplished guy. He was a winning coach. And so I think a lot of it has to do with winning, winning cures all in this league. Absolutely. And like, like you said, and Kevin, at first I was hesitant to think like, maybe why not try a more a conservative approach, but clearly it's not working. You have at times, whether it's Kenny Gowdy yelling at Jason Garrett in the middle of a game and you have some other disrespectful moments, it didn't mesh. And of course this game could have gone so differently in new Orleans. We, it, we were lucky and, you know, Saquon caught Marshawn Lattimore sleeping that would lead to that big touchdown to win the game. Of course, it, it's we, we, I admit we're lucky, but who knows where dumb luck can lead you. Now I'm, I'm expecting us to lose against the Cowboys this week, but I don't know. Just keep uh, will, hopeless romantic um, hopes out there for this team. You can, I would, you can never I would say like never to point out. Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say you can never say never in a crappy division. So you got hope. That's man. true. That's true. <laughs> I, I, I would like to point out that uh, three players signed with the Giants and retired one day later. So I do. Yeah. I, I mean that. That's got to tell you something about the coaching there. If if people are signing there hoping to actually play and make a roster spot, and the next day decide they don't want to play the game anymore, there's something wrong with the way you're coaching. <laughs> Man, imagine there's hard knocks for the Giants. That literally would be perfect. <laughs> That's you know they announced the Colts are having the first ever midseason hard knocks, yeah. but yet, what, I mean, what are they going to play for the way they're playing? But who knows? We can have other human interest stories within that. And again, that's still a couple months away. But yeah, those are. Is there any other uh, disappointing teams we missed uh, out on? I don't think people are disappointed. The Lions are 0-4. They're disappointed. They lost that. I I am a little disappointed in that. Uh, Really? Elaborate. Well, I mean, I, especially watching Jared Goff play, you know, the first two weeks. Oh my God. (laughs) I thought, uh, I thought that team might be able to actually beat my projection for their wins, but, uh, I'm a little disappointed that they've just kind of fallen off. I mean, TJ Hawkinson week one, week two looked like, you know, he might be, you know, surpassing Kittle at that point, the way he was playing and just uh, he's fallen off. The entire team's fallen off and they look like the same old Lions. So they, they got my hopes up for a week and a half and just shattered them again. Truly it's cursed franchise. What's up, Alex? Uh, another team we didn't really kind of touch upon, but I mean, part of it was because of COVID protocol. I mean, what the hell is going on with Tennessee? I know they lost a couple tight games, but mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's got to be some serious concern with the back end of that defense, and um and you you you've seen how how pedestrian that team can play when you become one dimensional um and you rely on Tannehill to make a play um that that it's that's a very concerning football team right now. Absolutely, getting so exposed like that, you're definitely right, and. Just two other points. One is not disappointing, but it's it's like seeing an old dog know that his days are numbered. He's going to get put down. But Ben Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh, that's ugly, man. And speaking of Ohio State quarterbacks, you get a shot. You think it's time to say, <laughs> Ben, it's time to go sit down, put Dwayne Haskins in and see if he can save face oh, God. or no. You just, don't. This is it. You 
you don't let that $18 million that you just spent in the off season sit on the bench. <laughs> I, you know what I, no matter how bad he's playing. So you just got to say face and say, we're, we're not paying $18 million to sit on the bench. Either step in, we're going to have to cut you and, and absorb a little bit of that cost, but get rid of some of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not a good situation there. I mean, I called, I was calling for his retirement two years ago. Um, I thought the 11 and 0 last year was completely fake, not completely fake, but 90% fake. Um, you know, and, and it showed the last five, you know, five weeks of the season last year when they completely tanked it. I mean, they're one dimensional at best and not even really one dimensional because Ben can't push the ball on the field. He can't stay upright, can't stay healthy, doesn't have the shoulder, doesn't have the arm that he used to. Um, and with TJ Watt out, it's like, I mean, you know, week to week, it's just, you just don't even know what you're going to get with them. Um, I see them as a fourth place team as soon as Cincinnati gets their act together. Wow. Any concerns for Tomlin? This would be his first losing season or we all, we know how loyal the Steelers are to their head coaches. I think he's literally three coaches in 60 years. Do you think there's anything with him? He's been there a long time. Maybe you want to switch it up or nah, keep that loyalty tradition going. Tomlin's not it, Tomlin could go four and four and uh, what would be 13 this year, four and 13. And he would still have a job in Pittsburgh next year. So I have no fear for Tomlin getting fired. He, They'll it, they go four and fourteen. They're going to draft him a quarterback that he's going to mold, and uh, he'll get back to winning pretty soon. Um, All right, exactly the same boat as Kevin. I think I, I believe in him. I was a harsh critic of him when they had the killer bees together, um, just because of how he let and ran his um, he ran that team and ran that locker room. You know, a little too mm-hmm. loosey goosey. I think they under I think they underachieved um, many of those years when they went up against Brady. I think they could have won a couple more championships, but um, I believe in the guy. I've really come around on him, and I think as soon as he gets the quarterback situation right, I think they could be back to um, contending with the top of that division. I hear you. I hear you. And last but not least, is there anything to read into the one and three Patriots? Did play competitive against the Bucks. Uh, we talked about Mac Jones mixed reviews, but, um, you know, still Bill Belichick coaching. And, um, do we think there's any moment of concern with that one and three start? Well, Alex, you you want to go, go first. All right. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, it's going to be two and three in about five days because they're playing the Texans. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm looking at the rest of their schedule and um, you know, they got some, they got some big heavy hitters. They got Carolina, they got Cleveland, they got the chargers, but um, you know, it's weird. I mean, I had them at 10 and seven. I probably overvalued them, you know, you know, a quarter into the season at this point, but it's a long season to go. Um, I think the division is a lot tougher than it's ever been. And I mean, we all know that. And um, I think that Mac Jones can still have the most success of any of the rookie quarterbacks uh, for the rest of the remainder of the season. I really believe that. I think that they have the best infrastructure underneath him and the best defensive talent um, around him of the other rookie quarterbacks besides San Francisco. San Francisco is kind of an anomaly situation. It's not very often you get, um, you know, a, a high quarterback draft pick after going to the Super Bowl. So um, I think that New England, even if they do have a down year and they go seven to nine again, I think they're still building positive inertia to being um, contending for the next few years um, moving forward too. 
Definitely, man. You, you, uh, like I said, though we're making the talking about this, there's still three months of the season to go. And if there's any team, especially that could, uh, change it around, you have Bill Belichick, the greatest coach of all time with this special challenge he has, um, he can turn around once and for all. Any other final thoughts on disappointing teams that we haven't covered yet? No, not really. No, uh, no. Okay. Yeah. It's an early season. <laughs> Speaking of early season, though, might as well put this on the record. Why don't you guys tell me who you think are your early season MVP picks? Make you look like a genius in four months now to see if uh, – they come to form or make you look dumb, but um, you know, it's nice to always put your uh, you know, predictions out there. Like for me, and we always talked about with Kyler Murray, you know, just showing what the benefit you can have with being a very mobile quarterback. When you have a DeAndre Hopkins going ham, AJ Green looks like he's the old AJ Green at some points. I mean, Kyler Murray's really making his team look really, really good out there, and that's saying something. That's who I'm going to pick for an early season MVP. Kevin, who do you think? Justin Herbert. Justin uh, Herbert. Uh, I'll say, listen, I, he's Alex not playing at the level, <laughs> not playing at the level that uh, Kyler is and some of these other guys are, but uh, he's playing on the team to beat, and. It's a combination of numbers and your team winning. So uh, I think he's going to put up, keep putting up the numbers that he's putting up, which are phenomenal as they are. And his team's going to be the team to beat in the AFC. So I think he's definitely a, a solid pick for MVP. Yeah. And he's making Austin Eckler look like a Christian McCaffrey type. <laughs> what do you say, Alex? Yeah. I got to begrudgingly add him to the list. Um, I've been, um, I kind of undervalued Stafford and Kyler um, up to this point of the season. So mm-hmm. I'm definitely going to put them in contention added to the list, but I'm still going to stick with Josh Allen as my front runner. Um, I think they've just been unbeatable through four weeks. I think Pittsburgh kind of just caught them off guard. I would, that's kind of a throwaway game. Um, and yeah, I'm going to roll with Josh Allen, but I'm going to add Stafford, Stafford and uh, Kyler, um, you know, right at the, right at his heels. All right, all right. And don't forget, another person to consider is Daniel Jones. Just kidding. But um, someday. <laughs> and, uh, okay, so pretty solid picks. It could pan out, and we'll definitely pay attention to those specific players. So just to wrap up things, there's just two quick topics to go through. First, I want to talk about a team that is doing well now who will come to form and, um, you know, probably collapse anyways. And then we'll do the opposite for the next team. What's a team that started off slow, but we'll pick it up towards the end of the season. So first team doing well now that is going to come to form. Who do you guys think is going to win this award? Alex, we'll start with you. Just to clarify, you're talking about a team that's doing well now. That's going to dive all over the, over the course of the season. Exactly. Uh, (laughs) uh, Only my favorite, the Cowboys, man. Mm-hmm. You still think that the Cowboys are not going to hold it down, huh? Why you say that? Well, just the injuries, the COVID protocols, um, week in and week out, you're not sure where you're going to get with them. Now, granted, I'm the first to admit that they, they show a lot of promise so far early in the year, taking the ball away. Um, the offense looks like it's humming with um, with Zeke and Pollard uh, and the balance of that attack. Um, but I'm just not sold. I, meaning – 
I think they're going to find a way to blow it. Um, they always do. So, um, yeah, that, that's, that's my team. And then the team I see ascending that I, I think will figure it out through the course of the season um, is San Fran. I mean, I had them third in the division, but I still had them at, um, I think, 10 wins. Mm-hmm. And I think that they'll figure it out through the season, um, whether they have uh, Trey Lance or Garoppolo. How about that? Okay, I can see where you're going. And excellent points, Alex. Now, Kevin, how would you answer this question? What team uh, is going to divulge and what team's going to rise up? I have one team to divulge and two that uh, I think are going to end up rising up. But uh, mm-hmm. I think the Baltimore Ravens, uh, I still, you know, I, wow. I'm, I'm not that impressed with the three and one start specifically because they can't throw the ball. They, they can't he, They haven't <laughs> been able to throw the ball, but I mean, they're running, you know, what, what is it? I think it's like 12 consecutive games with a hundred yards rushing as a team now. Um, if, if, if someone can, yeah, they, they just, uh, they just set the NFL record. Uh, they pissed off the Denver Broncos cause they got the ball back with three seconds left and, mm-hmm. and uh, went ahead and ran it anyway for the record. Um, but I just, if anyone can stop that rushing attack, they're done. And I don't think they can play from behind because if they're behind, they're not going to be able to throw the ball and they, they don't throw the ball well enough to, to come from behind. So I, I just, uh, I don't like them, you know, going later into the season, you know, I, I still think, you know, maybe a, a 10, 10 team, a 10 win team, if that, but uh, I, I, I like, I see them falling off. And then uh, two teams that I think are really going to kind of pick it up. First of all, the Washington football team mm-hmm. uh, already talked about this. And uh, I think, I think either Fitzpatrick's going to come back and they're going to, they're going to get a little better that way. Or I still think there's a chance they, they look for outside help at quarterback if Heineke can't get it done because they do have a winning roster in a, in a very yeah. bad division. Yep. And then now, now this one's going to surprise a lot of people. Uh, the Houston Texans. <laughs> I, I, Please tell us I more think, on that. I think uh, if they they get Tyrod back, you know they looked good week one with Tyrod, you know under the helm. Uh, Davis Mills, you know, clearly isn't the guy, but they're another team. If they if they go to outside help, Nick Foles, um, you know, Jacoby Brissett once Tua comes back, you know, reach out and and bring someone else in, or or their starter comes back, their team that can surprise a lot of people and win some games. I totally hear you there. I think. Again, excellent points from you, Kevin. But um, the only thing I asked, do you feel like the Texans could be a playoff team the way they're looking or like that much of a shock or just more than hit, at no. least go over there over under? <laughs> I, four. I met I had I had the Texans. I'm pretty sure like one in 15. So yeah, I, I think they they might win like six games, seven games. Hey, that, that is he's an improvement. Say, he's, saying they go, he's saying they go from a turd to a turd with sprinkles. Come on now. You know, hey, that still counts, and you will get a lot of shocking uh, heads. You know, stranger things have happened. I think the way I would answer that, I. Oh yeah, go ahead. I was just gonna say, um, I definitely double down on Washington. Though I'm not giving up on them. I think if they can figure out the quarterback situation, um, I've been kind of looking into uh, Fitzpatrick's injury. Um, it looks week to week he's gonna be out probably the, the remainder of the first half of the season. But I still think they can make a push. And like I said, Heineke's a solid backup if he gets more reps. In. Definitely, dude. 
Definitely. And I would say my disappointing team, sorry, my team that I think is going to divulge and collapse, though their defense is pretty stellar, especially their secondary. I just don't think the Denver Broncos have an offensive prowess to continue to be, to do well in the um, AFC West, especially if you have a hungry cheese team that needs wins again, I think they will just be a casualty. I don't think Teddy Bridgewater is the guy, even though he has shown shades of his old self and what potentially possibly could have had. I just don't think the Broncos offensive specifically in that Pat Shimmer led offensive team. I don't think they can, um, you know, hold to fold, but they do have a lot of great potential, especially once Jerry Judy comes back and, you know, who knows what the draft brings. I just think the Broncos aren't a team to exactly look forward. That's for you, Kaz. And the team that I think is going to turn it around specifically. Well, I honestly think the, the chiefs, even at two and two, I will not be surprised if they go like 14 and two after this, after this run, you know, specifically, or it would be what 13 and two after that. But anyways, I still think that they're going to go on a great run. And if Mahomes is as good as we expect him to be special players, generational players like that get wins. Tyreek Hill will step up again. Travis Kelsey will be Travis Kelsey. And I think the chiefs will be back to form. Well, and it will show how good he is or not. Go ahead, Kev. I will say it here and now. They will not beat the Los Angeles Chargers. It won't happen. Really? I that that defense is is too stellar. Mm-hmm. Um, and the offense. I mean, that offense will absolutely shred their defense. I mean, I just I I don't see it happening. I think Los Angeles. I honestly, I was coming into this today. Los Angeles, the Chargers are the team to beat in the AFC. Yeah, they definitely looked like it as well. And, you know, excellent points there. I just feel that, again, if the Chiefs are supposed to be this form and they get out of the slump, they will somehow get these wins. But again, no one did expect the Chargers to go this ham. And it's just a matter of time. They're going to play each other. They're not going to play each other again until December 16th, so week 14. But, um well, the, you know. the, thing, the thing with the Chiefs is I think they just need to update their style of play. I think they need to evolve to, unfortunately, you know, winning in shootouts more than they'd like to, especially with some of these high-powered offenses in the AFC. I think at a certain point they need to have a watershed moment with Spagnuolo's defense and understand, okay, we need to be a bend-not-break defense. Mm-hmm. We need to slow down and play situationally smart. Um, you know, Super Bowl winning defense, you know, in the fourth quarter when it comes time. And we need to be able to lock down um, with our secondary and our front four. But they're going to have to really um, evolve that offense and maybe play a more spread uh, spread offense game and really air it out more. Um, the only issue with that is you're probably going to see um, a continuous uptick in turnovers that we've had through the first four weeks with Pat Mahomes. So I think that I think that they, they will definitely improve and, and, and get better as the season goes on, but I think it's going to be the, the style of play with which they play at um, is going to be the reason. Yeah. I totally hear you, man. And, you know, excellent points as always, guys. I guess just a few things just we haven't highlight that I've just loved to hear. How we, how we feel about the Packers. Aaron Rodgers in his controversy season and people watching it with a magnifying glass after looking so dreadful against the Saints in week one, he responds with a three-game winning streak. 
Is there anything to that? You know, that's his team <laughs> to still watch out for in this whole division, or um, or am I bugging? Simply, what do you think about uh, Rodgers and the Packers? I think that first game was a kind of a statement. Not to say that he <laughs> threw the game to through the game, but uh, I think Aaron Rodgers kind of said, well, when I play bad, this team does not mm-hmm. win. So make me happy. Is, you really uh, think is, so? Is, I, mm-hmm. Did you see the man was smiling after throwing two interceptions <laughs> and down 38? I That's not an Aaron Rodgers look. I, uh, I, I think he, he really kind of said, when I don't feel like playing well and when I don't play well, this team doesn't play well. So either make me happy or I'm gone. You guys can go, you know, one in 15 next year. So, so uh, when David do, doesn't get what he wants, he gets to throw games. No, I, <laughs> listen, listen, I, I don't, I don't think it's right, but uh, I think that's, I think that's what happened. I think it was a statement, but I think this team is a team to look out for. You know, I said mm-hmm. coming into the air and I, I had them in my Super Bowl prediction, so I still I still have them there, and I think uh, I think Rodgers is going to be an MVP candidate. See, I think they're going to clean how. I mean, I think they're going to clean up on by virtue of a bad division this year. Um, but I definitely um, have diminished my expectations of them. I had them back in the NFC Championship game, um, just with the the scheduling breaks that they were going to get. Um, looking at the schedule, but um, I see them getting into the playoffs, winning their division with 11 wins at this point. I don't think they're the same team that I expected before the season began. So That's just why we love football, because it's always unpredictable. Well, sure. hit everything we wanted to today. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Kevin. We'll see you guys at the end of the month. We'll keep paying attention. And or I should say, last but not least, is there any matchups this week specifically that you're looking forward to with week five. Personally, I'm excited for the Bills and Chiefs to see if my prediction is going to be up to full because that would be a a statement game if they can pull it off. So that's what I'm looking forward the most. Anything for week five to look forward to from you guys? Uh, The New York Jets will be two and three going into the bye week. And I don't think anyone on earth could have predicted that. So... uh, I mean, Atlanta has truly the worst defense in the NFL, and Zach Wilson just showed that uh, he can play well. So uh, I can see I can see them really beating up on this defeated Atlanta team. So uh, it could be two and three going into the bye, which is a, a weird idea. Second in the division. Um, Forget like- that game's at nine a.m. Uh, at London to this Sunday. Yeah. Yep, those rootin' toots are going to be watching one shitty game. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I like the Browns-Chargers game at 4 o'clock. I think that's going to be um, a high-powered yeah. offense on both sides. Um, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how these two quarterbacks go at each other. Yeah, that's another one. And the Browns looking pretty intimidating. And Miles Garrett already making strives to be defensive player of the year. So that's going to be a good time indeed. Well, any other final words from you two before we sign off? No, I think that's it. All yeah, right. Thank you guys. I'll see you when I get back from vacation. Be good. Yes. That's Alex, it. you have a great trip. Stay safe out there. Yes, sir. Kevin, you be the man as always. Don't forget to also <laughs> check out Kevin. You got a new Instagram, right? Uh, to do yeah, I content. just, uh, just uh, started a, an Instagram for my content. So people aren't going on my private page. 
Mm-hmm. And I don't get, you know, 30 requests a day on my private page. So yes. Kev will drink it on Instagram. Also, uh, everyone watch out this month. I'm going to be doing a giveaway sponsored by little better. Um, are they going to pay up to $300 on a bar tab or uh, possibly fly you out for a weekend with Kev will drink it. So we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll be having a, a giveaway this month. So stay tuned. All right. Again, check it out on the description page for that Instagram as well. And don't forget to check out our friend Alex, whether it's the Going Places Artist Collective, which is at Going Dash Places Artist Collective, right? Yes. Yes, sir. All right. And don't forget to check out his great work otherwise. So thank you, gentlemen, as always. It's a blast. Like I said, we'll see you at the end of the month. And hopefully our teams are doing much better. And our predictions stay amazing. But tip, hats off to you guys. Have a great night. You too, Matt. Good boys. Cheers. Kevin Schaefer, Alex Ronelio. Thanks again. Peace. Alex and Kevin, thank you so much for your presence. Thank you so much for the great football opinions. And thank you for being you. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. Don't forget to check us out in the world of social media. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast. We're on Twitter at Proud Convo Pod. We're on TikTok at Productive Conversations. We're back on Monday. We have a new guest. This So it's funny. This is how it works. I met this kid, right? Went to the Yankee game. Yeah, talk about the Yankees again already. Uh, this was August, July? I think August. And I'm just hanging out with the people I'm at with at the games. We were sitting on the uh, right field upper deck first row, just chilling. And I was talking about football. So I I think it was August. We're talking about football. And this guy was talking about his Cowboys. And me and him hit it off. We were drinking beers, talking about the Yankees, having a good time. And I asked him to come on the show. And he said, yeah. So uh, Brian McKeon this guy I met at a Yankee game randomly. He's coming on the podcast. I'm going to get to know him as you get to know him as well. And he's a really cool dude. Very nice of him to come on. And uh, it's going to be cool introducing this audience to the great Brian McKeon. So you'll really like him and you'll see why he's a real good dude. So enjoy your weekend, everybody. It's the second weekend of October. Before you know it, it's going to be winter. So enjoy the fall vibes, the fall breeze, and uh, the good smiles on everybody's faces. And most importantly, keep it on your face. I love and appreciate every single one of you. And I'll see you all very soon. And uh, words can't describe my appreciation for the greatest audience in the world. My name is Matt Brown. I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. And I'll see you on Monday. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. Peace. All she needed was some.